a stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Here's our host, Boyd Matheson, on KSL News Radio. Well, is the American dream still alive and well in the United States? I think uh, American life is significantly better than many places around the world. There are some major barriers holding some citizens back from living their best lives. And our politicians, of course, the rhetoric surrounding the American dream can be both conflicting and very confusing. So the question then becomes, how do we defend the American dream? How do we make sure we're removing barriers and those artificial weights uh, to make sure we're creating a reality of the American dream and upward mobility for everyone? And uh, to help us continue down this path, this is so important uh, and really grateful that Scott Winship, Senior Fellow and Director of uh, Poverty Studies at the American Enterprise Institute, new uh, program going on there that he is leading and uh, helping us really get through this dual promise of the American dream, why it's worth defending. And, uh, Scott, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Boyd. Always a pleasure. Uh, this is this is a topic that we are just going to continue to track as uh, you guys are doing some just important, critical work in this space. Uh, and so let's, let's start with just kind of the basics. Uh, we hear a lot of the doom and gloom and uh, that things are getting worse, and now we're at these awful places and spaces. Where are we really in terms of the American dream, and uh, what should we actually be looking at? What should we be measuring? Yeah, all great questions. So to my mind, the American dream uh, has two parts to it. It's that we should end up better off than the previous generation, um, and it's that we should be able to fulfill our aspirations um, and, and not be limited by, as you say, these, these barriers uh, to upward mobility. Um, so, so typically, I think what people have focused on is that uh, are we better off than previous generations economically? And I think the answer there uh, has been too pessimistic, both on the left and the right. The populists have really uh, kind of painted a really negative picture of how we're doing. And I think the facts just don't line up with that. I, I think where we're not doing as good as as previous generations is kind of broadly on the social front. Um, you can think of the decline of two-parent families, uh, but it's much bigger than that. There's a decline in religious participation. There's a decline in um, doing social activities and cooperating with neighbors and coworkers after work. Um, so just kind of across the board, trust in institutions is down. So that's that's a really big problem. And then this problem about upward mobility I think continues to be a really big problem that uh, that conservatives, I, I think, need to devote more attention to. Yeah, and so let's dive into to each of those. And you've got a great piece uh, in National Review: this dual promise of the American dream, why it's worth defending. Uh, and so let's let's start with kind of that uh, American dream component in terms of are we better off than the generation before? And I, I always say it is absolutely vital to measure. If we're, if we're not measuring things, we really don't know where we are. But we also it's equally important uh, to measure the right things. And so as, as we look yeah. at that, you are saying, what, what have we been measuring? What gives us that, that uh, feeling in the country? And then what should we be measuring in terms of really getting an honest look at it? 
Yeah, so I, I think um, a lot of these measurement debates can get pretty pretty wonky, and I will spare your uh, listeners uh, those, those details. We, we, we like a little um, wonk around here. <laughs> <laughs> the 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 bottom line is that if you if you measure um, things like income and earnings um, and the cost of living uh, the best way, that you know we're, we're actually at a place where poverty is at an all time low. Um, where household incomes are at an all-time high, even for the middle class, um, you know, wealth is much more complicated. But things are things are much better in terms of wealth, and I think people believe. Um, so, by by a lot of those metrics, uh, we're doing really well. Now, there are some metrics that don't look as good, and I think you know the big one would be the decline in work among working-age men, in particular, which is you know something that's kind of a fifty or sixty-year trend. Um, but that ends up being, you know, really complicated too, because most of the decline has been among men who say they don't actually want a job, and and so that requires understanding mm-hmm. what's going on there. Uh, is that is that about uh, our economy failing people? Is it about social policy that you know has work disincentives? I kind of think it's more the latter. Um, but 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 to hear the debate, you know, it's 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 not about any of that. It's kind of about well, the opioids crisis is because men's pay. You know, is lower than it's ever been. That's that's just not true. Um, arguments about trade. You know, for instance, um, you know, since since uh, China has become a, a bigger player on the on the world stage in terms of trade, men's pay has actually been going up uh, the last thirty years or so. So it just doesn't. The timing is off. If, mm-hmm. if that's the case, you want to make. Yeah, fascinating stuff. Uh, I also want to get to one area that you raised that I think is so interesting, um, especially looking um, uh, at minority communities that looking at two things, one, that mobility up out of poverty, if that's where you started, uh, but also those that are falling into poverty that maybe started in, in the middle. Give us some sense of where we are there. It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Yeah, so if you imagine, um, you know, kind of dividing uh, people up into fifths um, when when they're kids, so the poorest fifth, the richest fifth, the middle fifth, um, and then imagine doing that again for when they're adults. So you're looking at the same people, just comparing where they end up as adults and where they where they were as kids. Um, if if your family background didn't make any difference, then if you started in the bottom fifth, you'd have about a 20% chance of being in the bottom fifth as an adult. You'd have a 20% chance of being in the top fifth. You'd have a 20% chance of being in the middle fifth. So that's what kind of a world... Uh, where your background didn't matter would look like. Now, some pe- some people think that would be a terrible world because it means you know no matter how hard you uh, sacrifice for your kids, no matter how hard you push them, you know it's all sort of a coin flip. Um, I-, I think that's actually the wrong way to think about it. But but that's that's sort of a world where background family background makes no difference. The world we live in, if you start in the bottom, you actually only ha- you have about a forty to forty five percent chance of staying in the bottom um, when you're an adult instead of the twenty percent chance you know, where where your background wouldn't matter. In terms of falling from the middle, again, you know, in a, in a world of perfect mobility, uh, you'd have a 20% chance of staying in the middle, 20% chance of falling to the bottom, et cetera. 
Um, it ends up being close to that uh, if, if you're white in the United States. Um, but for African-Americans, uh, there's, uh, there's a big chance that if you start in the middle, you'll end up even in the bottom quintile, much more likely to end up less than in the middle than, than above the middle. So that's, that's something that hasn't gotten any better you know, since the heyday of the civil rights movement. So I, I think that's something that we ought to focus on. Conservative solutions look very different, I think, than liberal solutions uh, to, to these sorts of problems, but that we should recognize it as a problem. Yeah, uh, definitely. And, and getting to the, the problem conversation is, is how we actually start moving everything forward, not just the politics of it all. Uh, I know that you're, you're running the new Center for Opportunity and Social Mobility, uh, along with your tag team partner there, Kevin Corinth. Um, uh, and that's, I, I think, such an important thing as you're looking at intergenerational mobility, poverty, and, of course, social capital that we've, we've spoken about uh, with you a number of times. Uh, help us just yep. in these last couple of minutes. Uh, you, you raised something in your article in National Review that I think is real critical, that uh, emphasis on, on personal agency uh, and, mm. and choice and decisions, and also acknowledging some of the structural and some of the historical barriers uh, to that upward mobility. Yeah, I think that's right. I think, you know, uh, it's important that kids receive uh, a message that, you know, where they end up is to some extent under their control. Um, if you if you send the opposite message, then what's what's the point of anybody trying, right? right. Um, Ian Rowe, my, my colleague at AEI, is very big on, on, on this. He actually runs a system of charter schools where they teach, you know, the, the importance of personal agency. So that's fundamentally important. I think it's a big part of conservatism. Um, we have to we have to hold on to that. Um, on the other hand, it's also true that if I'm the, you know the kids don't choose their parents, right? If I'm a kid and I'm I'm born into a family where maybe the dad is gone, maybe the mom is struggling with substance abuse problems, maybe uh, maybe she's not, but she you know didn't get a good education herself and just doesn't know how to prepare her kid for school. Um, you know these are all things that are not the fault of kids. Um, they're patterned in ways in in the U.S. that reflect some injustices of the past that don't just go away, you know, even within a generation or two. So we also need to recognize that uh, and, and, and strike a balance where we're encouraging agency, uh, but also recognizing that the federal government uh, can, can do things um, in recognition of these, of these sort of past wrongs that linger and these things that aren't kids' fault. Yeah, it's so very important. The American Enterprise Institute, again, has launched this American Dream Initiative. It's a it's a nation, an organization-wide effort uh, to strengthen that. Scott is uh, running this new Center for Opportunity and Social Mobility, uh, which is so vital to all of this. So, Scott, we really appreciate you making some time, and we look forward to continuing this conversation. Uh, it's a crucial conversation with uh, a lot of facets to it. We appreciate your perspective and uh, the deep-dive research you're, uh, you're doing there at AEI. So thank you. Love to love to keep the conversation going. All right. Again, that's uh, Scott Winship joining us. And uh, in Scott's piece uh, in uh, National Review, uh, he ends with uh, one of my favorite quotes uh, from Abraham Lincoln, uh, where in uh, his first Fourth of July uh, of the Civil War, uh, he talked about the leading object of government was to elevate the condition of men, to lift artificial weights from all shoulders, to clear the paths of laudable pursuit for all to afford all an unfettered start and a fair chance in the race of life. Uh, that's a good credo uh, for, uh, for all political parties, really, uh, to get to that space. Government has a role, to be sure. Lift artificial weights, clear the path of laudable pursuit, give everybody an unfettered start, a fair chance. And, and then choice and personal agency come into play. And so the outcomes may be different. But we have to make sure that government is in the right space, 
have, providing the right support structure, and not doing things that actually inhibit that pursuit of the American dream. All right, we'll step aside for one last commercial break. When we come back, some final thoughts here on Inside Sources on KSL News Radio. Stick around. It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. 